when your mind is set on how Christ took your punishment, then you don't have to set your mind on taking things from other people so that you can be okay. And when your mind is set on how Christ was used to take your punishment, you don't have to use other people because you are already saved and redeemed by Christ. Set your mind on things above, that's what sets you free. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintiger.com. We are going to continue on today with our last sermon in a series of sermons on the book of Colossians. The first three sermons, we looked at Christ and his profile, who he is for us, in us, what he has done for us. Today, Paul moves into a new section of his book. Kind of theologically speaking in the church, we talk about it like this, that Paul is moving into a part of his book that's called application. He has taught us the truths that matter for us, and now he gets to teach us what we can do with that in our lives. This is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Paul writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is God's word. 
I, I don't know if it's been like this for you or not, but it certainly has for me. This has been the summer of traffic on 217. It, it's just kind of happened this way that most days of the week, I find myself with the opportunity to get on Highway 217 and to face the traffic there. They've been doing construction all summer, and so every time you get onto the highway, it's the same experience. You wait in line, you wait for your turn at the stoplight so that you can get into the merge lanes, so that you can take your time merging so that you can get into the bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic that you will be in until your exit. And that's been my summer of 217, and, and interestingly enough, that road has been my only experience in Oregon of road rage. And it happened only earlier this summer. I was getting on the highway. It was rush hour, 217, going north. And I was merging into the, into the first lane. And, and somebody from behind me zoomed in front of me and tried to merge into the person that was in front of me and, and the person in front of me was not having it. They were not going to let that person in. And they played it a little bit dirty. They, they slowed down and they, they, and they sped up so that that person would not be able to get in where they wanted to get in. And, and the person trying to move, merge, they didn't give up either. They stayed in the, in the right-hand shoulder lane trying to make a move and trying to merge in exactly where they wanted to merge in. And I watched as road rage exploded in front of me. Both of them were laying on their horns at each other, and when they got done with that, they rolled their windows down and started, started yelling at each other. It was a big moment. And it got me thinking about road rage. You know, road rage is a, is a pretty interesting phenomenon. This is something that only really happens on the road. You don't often see it in the rest of, of the world where people start just laying into each other for a frustration they may have caused. You know, I, I've been in Costco and I've seen two grocery lines merge into one when one of the registers close and I have yet to see somebody go all road rage with their shopping cart, right? Why is that? It's because when you're on the road, the person in the other car isn't a person in that moment. It's a pair of sunglasses in a box with wheels. You're never going to see that person again. And so you get to have your moment of righteous indignation. But when you're in that shopping line at Costco, you see that person. You see their eyes. You see their emotion. You see their body language. And that person in front of you is a person. And so you keep your frustration in check, right? Which, of course, leads to the big question that we'll be digging into today. How do we change the way that we treat other people? And how do we not only change the way we treat other people, how do we change the way that we feel about other people. And throughout the sermon, I'm going to be showing you that this question and the next question are the same question, but how do you live at peace in the world? Because that's what we all want, right? We all want to live in a peaceful and harmonious world. That's why John Lennon's song, Imagine, 
was a worldwide phenomenon of a song. He imagined a world where all people were kind and compassionate to each other, where there were no divisions among people, where people who had need were helped, and where people who had much felt responsibility to be the ones that are helping everybody. He said, imagine if the world would, like, would be like that. Imagine. It would be so great, right? But you look around at the world and you, and you can see that that world still remains to be something just in our imagination. See, the, the problem with John Lennon's song is, is not that it was a bad vision to have. The problem is that he, he didn't understand the true problem that's presenting itself in all the division in the world. And since he didn't have the problem nailed down, there's no way he could come up with the right solution. The Apostle Paul, he has the right problem nailed down, and he wrote about it in this text. This is in your church app if you're taking notes. In verse 5, Paul says this is the real problem. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Paul is saying the thing that's standing between us and a harmonious world, a perfect world, is our earthly, sinful nature. He's saying that the reason that people road rage against each other, it's not the make and model of the car, obviously. It's not the brand of sunglasses. It's the earthly nature of the driver's. He talked about that, that way with, with sinful nature. He says, this is the problem. And, he, and then he gave a list of things that we need to put to death about our earthly natures. And notice this about the list, that he moved from outside in for ourselves. He said, put to death this, sexual immorality and impurity. Those are things that we do outside with our bodies. But then Paul moves deeper. He moves into our hearts and minds and souls. He says also, get rid of lust that's there in your mind. Get rid of evil desires. Put those to death. And finally, covetousness, which is idolatry. I know it might seem like a long walk from covetousness, but to idolatry, but that's what it is. If you think about it, the entire list that Paul gives us is a list of things that you take from other people. Sexual immorality and impurity, those are things that you take from someone else's body. Covetousness, uh, evil desires, those have to do with the way that you look at someone. It's, it's using them and objectifying them with your eyes. At the end of the day, all of these things are treating people like they are just there to serve you, to make you happy. They're just there so that you can take things from them. And that right there, that's the definition of idolatry. 
And, and that's what Paul's next list is about too. This is in verse 8. He says, But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Think about it this way too. Why does a husband get angry with his wife? It's because he's not getting everything that he wants out of her. And why does someone slander another person? It's because you think that by taking someone down, you are going to go up. And, and why does a person road rage? It's because they think that they deserve that slot of payment of pavement that you are not giving them. Everything that Paul is listing is the idolatrous belief that other people exist to serve me. And trust me, I don't like talking about this any more than you like hearing about it, but the Apostle Paul talks about these things. And he talks about these things often because he wants us to wrestle with sin. And he wants us to come to grips with our earthly natures, how ugly they are, how destructive they are. That's why he says this in verse 6. He tells us the reality of the consequences of our earthly natures. He says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And that might sound harsh, but, but think about it. I mean... Think about how offensive it must be to God. He created people to be in a harmonious and, and uplifting and supportive, encouraging relationships with each other. And then he put them into the world and sin entered the world. And the only use that human beings have for each other now is to use each other. To get stuff out of each other, and that's why God's wrath is coming. That's, that's the truth. That's the truth about our earthly natures. That's the truth about the consequences of sin. I do want to tell you something else that's true. That's also why God sent his son, Jesus. That's also why God sent Jesus to be our Savior. And notice that I did say Savior because that's really important to know. God did not send Jesus to be a teacher for us, to teach us how to live so that we can live well and earn our way to heaven. <clears throat> God did not send us to a reform school because he knew that we needed a lot more than a strict regimen to keep us on track. He sent us a savior. He sent his son Jesus to live on earth, to die innocently on the cross, to take and take and take our punishment for all of the things that we've taken from each other. And he sent his son Jesus to be used and to be used and to be used 
for all of the ways that we have used each other. He sent his son Jesus, who for the first time ever treated everyone like they were a dearly loved child of God. He treated everyone like they had been made specially by God. He treated everyone like the reality of God, that God loves each of us so much that he would send his son to die for them. For the first time ever, Jesus treated people like people. Paul said something else about the Christ. I want, to, I want you to notice this here. This is verse 1. He said, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Why is Christ seated at the right hand of God? Why is that significant? Because when Jesus sits down, he's showing us that the work is done. It is done. You know, I was a roofer in college. It was the hardest job I have ever had. You, You get up really early in the morning before the heat of the day. You get up on the roof and you work until the job is done. You know, you maybe take a 10-minute break for lunch, but you don't take any break for any other reason. You work until the job is done. If you see a roofing crew sitting in the lawn in front of the house, it is because their work is done. Jesus sat down at the right hand of God in heaven because his saving work is done. There's only one thing left to do now. Do you know what it is? Enjoy the victory. Because that's where you get to live right now. You get to live in the victory of Christ that has already been won. He is already sitting at the right hand of God because his work is done. Now you get to live in his victory. And Paul tells you how. This is verses 2 through 4. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on the victory. Paul says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It means that your eternal life is safe and secure in the eternity of God. Paul says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Do you see what Paul is saying about living in victory? He's saying, this can be your life. Because of Christ and what he has done for you, you get to be like that dog who is chewing on the juiciest bone in the world. They're not going to give it up. You can be like that rabbit who just will never get over how much it loves carrots. You can be like that ridiculous husband who 20, 30, 40, 50 years into his marriage still can't believe that he is married to the most beautiful woman on earth. Set your mind on the gospel. Ruminate on it. Spend time with it. Enjoy it. Be ridiculous about it. Go back to it. Set your heart on it. Let your life be bound up in the gospel. Why? Because the gospel tells you who you are. You are a real person. 
loved by God, saved in Jesus' name, through his death on the cross, through his resurrection, you are saved. And no, I promise I didn't get off track just now. It might seem like I just got way off track on a gospel tangent there, but I promise this is still a sermon about how we treat each other like people. How we change the way that we treat people, how we change the way we feel about people. This is still a sermon about how we can change our mindsets so that we're not just looking at people as wallets to be opened and as bodies to be objectified and as lightning rods waiting to be struck. Do you know how you see people like people? Do you know how you do that? It's so counterintuitive. The gospel always is. Do you know how you set your mind on treating people like people? You set your heart on things above. Here's why. When your mind is set on how Christ took your punishment, then you don't have to set your mind on taking things from other people so that you can be okay. And when your mind is set on how Christ was used to take your punishment, you don't have to use other people because you are already saved and redeemed by Christ. Set your mind on things above. That's what sets you free. Now there's two things that you can take home from this sermon. One thing that you can take home is this, that that you need to go out into your life and you need to see people better and you need to treat people better. You need to be the person that lets the person in on Highway 217. You need to be the person who sees people and loves people. You need to be more compassionate, more kind. You can take that home. I pray you don't. I pray that you know that that you can see people. You can know people. You can be filled with kindness and compassion for other people, but I pray what you take home first and foremost is Christ. Set your mind on Him. Set your mind on the thought that Jesus saw you already in eternity and cared for you. Set your mind on the fact that he took your punishment, that he was used so that you wouldn't have to be used. Set your mind on Christ. It's the secret sauce. It's what sets you free to finally treat people like people. Each one beloved by God.